Oramai, good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. This is the day when we celebrate what is at the very heart of the Christian faith, that Jesus Christ, who was nailed to a cross on Good Friday and laid in a borrowed grave when he was dead, came back to life three days later and opens the way for us to follow him to everlasting life. Happy Easter! At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me.
Lord Jesus, early in the morning a voice in a guarded graveyard and footsteps in the dew proved that you had risen, that you had come back to those and for those who had forgotten, denied and destroyed you. Hallowed be your name. To believe in the resurrection is to believe that death is not all-powerful, that beyond despair there is hope. Or, as St Paul puts it, that whatever life throws at us, neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ the Lord is risen today, celebrating there in words and music the message of hope, love and new life that is Easter Day. And a special day demands a special guest, and so it's my pleasure to welcome a first-time visitor to the island. Reverend Graham Thompson is part of the Presidency, the leadership of the Methodist Church in England, Wales, Scotland and the offshore islands, the Orkneys, the Shetlands, the Channel Islands and yes, the Isle of Man. The presidency of the Methodist Church is a team of two, one ordained and one layperson, who are inducted at the Methodist Conference held in June each year and who serve in that shared leadership role for the following 12 months. 
The current presidency is made up of local preacher Anthony Boteng from the London district, who has a passion for social action, politics and church unity. And my guest today, Reverend Graham Thompson, who, before becoming president in June last year, served as chair of the Plymouth and Exeter district. Graham has served in a variety of circuits in both urban and rural communities, and working with other denominations has always been important to him. Graham is an ecumenical canon of Exeter Cathedral. Graham, good morning and welcome. Good morning. And a very, very happy Easter to you. And a very happy Easter to you too. Thank you. In a moment, I would like to chat about what is everlastingly special and inspirational and wonderful about this day that is at the heart of our faith. But I'd like to just talk a little bit about you. You, you grew up in a, in a faith-filled household, Grim. I'm not sure that my mother would ever describe our home as a faith-filled household. Uh, but my father was a man of faith. And uh, when I was uh, three years old, he decided it was time to take me to Sunday school. And so uh, my sister and I were taken off by my father to Sunday school. And he was the one who took us faithfully every week and became a Sunday school teacher himself. A big influence in my life and and in our family. So how did it it develop from there, Graham? Well, I had um, a good Christian background within the Sunday school and all was going well. And then when I was aged 14, I came home from school one day and discovered my father quite upset and announcing that uh, our mother had left and had gone. And uh, we had the weekend to decide whether we wanted to live with him or with her. I was the eldest of four at that time. And basically we made a decision around the fact that it was our mother who'd left and our father was still there. So if he was willing to stick with us, we would stick with him. And for the next 11 years of his life, he devoted himself to bringing up his four children on his own. As I reflect back on it now, I discovered that I had, by that stage, learned a great many domestic skills. In fact, my wife often tells people that I came uh, ready-made. And my father used to say I'd make someone a, a fine housekeeper. But seriously, you know, I knew how the washing machine worked and, and how to cook particular kinds of meals. And so, yeah, there was a, a there was responsibility that fell upon me at that time. Yeah, and my dad, as I look back, you know, now I'm a father and a grandfather myself, I realised what an incredible job he did over all of that time. Now, what about your faith journey? Was that affected by what was going on? It certainly was. I was part of a youth group at the time when my mother left. And uh, as is ever the case in the life of the church, we want to help people understand how much God loves them and cares for them. And yet whenever that was mentioned within the youth group that I was a part of at that time, I couldn't understand, I couldn't reconcile this. Why does this God who everyone declares loves me would allow my family to be ripped apart in the way that it was and for the additional responsibilities to be put upon me and my my siblings at the time? It, It just didn't make sense. So I had what I call my rebellious period around the same time. And I refused to go on Sundays at various times and my father became ever anxious. And it was uh, through the friendship of a a new person I met through school who said to me one day, why don't you come with me to Crusaders, now called Urban Saints, and uh, in order to partly make a new friend and partly to satisfy my father who was very anxious I wasn't going to church anymore I went on a Sunday afternoon to the crusader group and that's where I discovered a whole new aspect to Christian faith. What was that whole new aspect? 
Well, I met a group of men. It, it was a single gender organisation at the time. So it was four boys run by young men. But I met a group of men who not only spoke about God's love, but demonstrated it as well. They invested all their spare time in us as teenagers and as well as the afternoon group, after which there was always an invitation to go back and have toast and drinks and, you know, crash into their homes. On Tuesdays, there was a Bible study, which we were all invited to go to. And on Thursday, there were games in the park. So it was a whole kind of week of activity. I say of these young men who just gave their lives to the, to the boys and showed love as well as spoke about it. And it was through them that I made my first Christian commitment. Everybody's faith journey is completely different, but the one thing that I find is almost universal is that it's one person who says, would you like to come here? Absolutely. The power of invitation is huge. There was some research done, I think it was a number of years ago now, but it, it basically said that 70% of the population just waiting to be invited. And that is a massive challenge mm. because equally we have generations of people who are saying, yes, I believe in God, but I do not feel attracted to traditional church. It's That's not right. my background and I don't feel attracted. Mm. And we've got to listen to that, haven't we? We have, but also understand that when people say they don't feel attracted to it, it's usually from a position in which they don't have a great deal of knowledge as to what the church is about. When you talk about a family, a community of faith, a group of disciples on a journey together, then I think we can help them to understand that we're all exploring whatever stage of life and commitment we're at. So rather than always saying everybody's welcome, I think we need to start to say, come with me. Because I think there can be a frightening perception that people who are within the church have got it all sorted and know all the answers. If and only that was true. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. You had the most wonderful ambition, and I cannot understand why God didn't rubber stamp it, because you intended to be an accountant in Manchester and be incredibly successful, make a million pounds and give it away to charity. But God had other ideas. How did that work out? Well, when I first uh, made my Christian commitment, as I was talking about it earlier, I was really very excited and I suppose we would say nowadays on fire for God and I approached a, a brand new Methodist minister who had arrived at our church a single man who had time to invest in young people and I was so full of it I said what am I going to do with all of this and he said well I think you should start to train to become a preacher in the Methodist church we call them local preachers so I said okay I'll, I'll do that straight away and I started off and one or two friends took me out with them and that's that's the way we start the apprenticeship type model and all the old ladies and old gentlemen I should say who used to support and encourage my family when things were difficult and particularly my father and had seen me kind of go away and come back again they always used to say to me oh Graham you're going to make a wonderful minister one day and I can very clearly remember telling them in my own arrogant way as a teenager at the time the last thing I was going to do with my life was be a Methodist minister. I had my brand new shiny Christian ambition as uh, someone embarking on an accountancy career. And so when I had an experience of God speaking so clearly to me and seeming to squeeze the bottom of my stomach and make me feel very uncomfortable unless I listened, I had to listen. 
And yet, in my foolishness, I told God, God may be calling me to be a minister, but I wasn't going to do it. And for the next few months of my life, as I pursued my new career, I experienced a real loss of peace and of direction. And um, it was an unsettling and a very uncomfortable time. But I can remember in the following January, we had a, a youth weekend. We were away together. Somebody spoke for only for a short period of time about vocation and what we understand by vocation and being those who were willing to accept God's call upon our lives. And I can remember once that session finished, I walked out into the garden. It was a, a you know watery, wintry sunshine. And I sat there and I said, well, God, if you want me to be a Methodist minister, I'll go. And for the one and only time in my life, I experienced what I'd heard other people talk about. Felt as though a great weight was lifted off my shoulders. And that was the confirmation that, that that's what I needed to do. It's been a very privileged journey. I've been hugely fortunate to serve in the communities that I've been invited to serve in, from Bristol to Nottinghamshire to Norfolk and to Devon and Somerset. And I've worked and ministered alongside some incredible people. We've seen great things happen and we've seen people come to faith, churches grow, but sadly one of the things we've also had to learn to deal with is decline. And uh, it's perhaps a reminder to us, particularly over this weekend, that resurrection cannot come until death has taken place and certainly we are experiencing a certain amount of death in the life of the Methodist Church but we do so believing that resurrection is around the corner you know it is Friday but Sunday is coming uh, the Good Friday cry um, and so today we rejoice that we are Easter people hallelujah is our cry today but we do have to face the reality of death as well because we didn't get to Easter Sunday without going into the grave. Absolutely. So what is it about Easter Day? What do you think of this Easter morning? I go back to that moment in the garden when Mary has returned, as it come back to the tomb and Peter and John have left and she has stood there weeping and she turns and sees the man that she thinks is the gardener and asks him, where the body of Jesus has been taken. And in that moment, Jesus just says one word, Mary. He calls her by her name. And I go back to that moment again and again and again, because as someone who has been baptised, I have been baptised with the name of Graham. And therefore, I go back to that moment and see similar moments in my own Christian journey when it seems as though Christ has met with me and called me by my name. And it's that moment of revelation, that moment of light, that moment of understanding. And more than anything, it was in that moment that Mary, who, who felt so grief-stricken and lost, was overwhelmed by a sense of hopelessness and helplessness. But in that moment when Jesus called her and spoke to her, gave her purpose and direction for her life. And that's the moment that makes the whole Easter story come alive for me.
Thank you, Reverend Graham Thompson, sharing the presidency or leadership of the Methodist Church in Britain with Vice President Anthony Boateng. And if you'd like to meet Graham, there are no less than three chances to do so later today. This morning at 11 o'clock, Graham will be speaking at the Easter Sunday puppet service at Laxey Methodist Church. That's on Menorca Hill in Laxey. Then this afternoon, he'll be at the Easter Sunday service at Balagheri at 3 o'clock. And then this evening, Graham heads north again to the Easter Sunday service in Sandygate Chapel that starts tonight at half past six. And there's a warm welcome to everyone to any of these services. There'll be more notice board news at the end of the programme. But right now, it's time to welcome back Michael Manning, the current, the eighth Manx Bard. Michael joined us on the programme last week with the first of two poems he's written specially for this season. Last week we heard The Way, Michael's poem for Good Friday. Today we have his poem for Easter Day. This is The New Songs by Michael Manning. I want to sing the new songs, the songs that will make people well, not just well enough, not just lame and limping, scoured and rough, the songs to sweep through a hospital ward and cast zimmer frames aside. Crutches fall, frail bodies rise, exultant now and glorified. The songs of light. I want to sing the new songs, the songs that will make people whole and healed and good. No pinched and narrow survival, but a strengthening passion in the blood. The song to make the children's faces shine in joyous recognition. Yes, this world is fine, the songs of sky and heaven. I want to sing the new songs, the songs that will surge through every home and make it smile, bitter words and wounds softened as kindness comes to reconcile, the songs to set the table racing, rafters high with feasting, facing one another with a truth that broadens, breaks, embracing, vast songs of earth and ocean, growing trees. I want to sing the new songs, the songs to unlock the grim prison's doors, call out the startled inmates, finding all our flaws now eased, harsh tongues stilled, eyes new rinsed to behold a laughing land, no longer grey, enclosed and dim, but gold, the songs celestial. I want to sing the new songs, the songs that cross the bleak borders raise a fence, the guards awestruck by something more immense, they unbar the gates and beckon invitation as pilgrim masses ebb and flow, at last a liberation, the songs of wing and waves. I want to sing the new songs, the songs rejoicing in a rich abundance, partaking of a sustaining wealth where all is shared, gregarious, unmaking all that's crooked, mean, a torrent of tender jubilee, brimful of glad justice and tenacious solidarity, the songs of all things living. I want to sing the new songs. Don't tell me of the stern and petty ways of a weary world. Let me take the gun. Let's walk amazed and reforge all our weapons into better tools of peace. To all the hated knots within, without, cry sweet release, the songs of rest. I want to sing the new songs, 
the songs that mark our long labour to the light, the songs to bring fresh beauty into sight, the songs to make your life and mine a bright delight, the songs that source and end in silence, satisfied. Oh, I want to sing the new songs. Together, will we sing? Go out in a gorgeous new creation, adventuring? It's not too late. Come now, rise and sing. New words await. Man of heaven, born to earth, to restore us to your heaven. Here we bow in all beneath your searching eyes. From your tears comes that joy, from your death our life shall spring. By your resurrection power we shall rise We worship at your feet Where wrath and mercy meet And the guilty world is washed by love's pure stream For Thank you to 8th Manx Bard, Michael Manning, and to my special guest, President of the Methodist Conference, Reverend Graham Thompson. And we end today with our usual look at our notice board. There's an Easter service of Holy Communion in Abbeylands Chapel this afternoon at 3 o'clock. And if you're looking for an Easter Communion service this evening, you'll find a warm welcome at Dorby Church tonight at half past six. The Communion service there will be led jointly by Canon Margaret Burrow and Cheryl Cousins, and it'll be followed by tea and cake in the schoolrooms. St Paul's Church are hosting an Antiques and Vintage Collectibles Fair tomorrow, Easter Monday, open from 11am to 4pm. Admission is just 50 pence for St Paul's Church Fabric Fund and Café San Paolo will be open with refreshments on sale. And this Friday evening, the 14th, there's an open invitation to everyone to a very special service at Trinity Methodist Church at Rosemount here in Douglas, when their organist and musical director, Gareth Moore, will be presented with an honorary membership diploma of the Guild of Church Musicians, acknowledging the great contribution that this well-respected and very gifted organist and choirmaster has made to Methodist church music and indeed to music across the denominations here on the island. 
The service is at half past seven on Friday evening. Trinity is a big church, so there's plenty of room and a very warm welcome for everyone to share this special occasion. And finally, looking ahead to next Sunday the 16th, the Mariners' Choir will be in Port St Mary Methodist Church for a service at half past six, which will be led by Reverend Richard Hooten from Onken. As usual, it'll be followed by supper and community hymn singing. And that's all that we have time for now. But I'll be back tonight at nine o'clock for an Easter sundown. Your invitation into our virtual late lounge for a mix of easy listening music and a bit of nostalgia to round off your day. I'd love you to join me if you can. So till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a truly happy Easter and a very good morning. Stay